you can use my name because, you know, I'm kind of a big deal around this place. Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. Thankfully, we always do this one over Skype, so we don't have to social distance. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is the monkey man from Canada, the Peter. Yes, sir. And the Philadelphia Philly himself, the Cecil. Philadelphia Philly. I don't know. You're a Philly, aren't you? The the Um, Philadelphia Frenetic. Yeah, the Philadelphia, yeah, the the Philly fanatic. Although now we have um, gritty, and uh, gritty, gritty's kind of taken some of the Philly fanatics' thunder. Bastard, oh. right? <laughs> oh no, gritty's hilarious. Gritty's a monstrosity, but that's not our topic. Well, gritty perfectly represents Philadelphia. <laughs> I can't argue that point with you. So, guys, if you want to help out the show, you want something a little to do in lockdown here, you go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. All you have to do is use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. And also, if you need a VPN, everything's dangerous out there. You need a virtual private network. Go to 1201beyond.com backslash DROME VPN. That'll bring you over over to Nord's site for NordVPN. There, if you use our link, you'll be able to get Nord's protection to encode your data, protect your data, get around region coding, all of that stuff, for only $3.79 a month. That's 75% off of a three-year plan. Helps you, helps us. 1201beyond.com backslash VPN. So on that note, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now, which has fundamentally changed the entire well, the entirety of pop culture, really, but it's the film industry, the TV industry, and obviously real people are dying. I'm not trying to discount that, but we're a movie and pop culture show, so we're not going to talk about that aspect too much. So I'm not trying to say, oh my god, movies are being changed while actual people are dying. I understand that, but that's not the focus of this show. Did you guys think when COVID first started that everything would grind to a halt the way it has? No, uh, I was actually talking with some friends about this last night. When it first happened, I uh, my my son's kindergarten was closed on that Friday the 13th because the teachers were having a meeting because they were going to figure out what they were going to do for the next week. They were like, okay, that weekend they were having people come in to clean the school. And then the next week they were going to, you know, have the, the, the desks a little bit set. They were trying to figure out how they were going to handle it. And then that weekend was when they announced, okay, we're going to be closed for two weeks and it was like okay fine you know i think 15 days or whatever two weeks and became then, four weeks which and became then two six weeks, weeks became exactly two weeks became a month and then it became two months and it, you know so at the time when it first happened i was like okay they're gonna kind of do this and and then it'll be over and then as it kept getting extended 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 it was like oh well you can't film anything right now because you know filming takes tons of people all being together so everything started getting delayed movie theaters were they were trying to do 
the social distancing at the movies and then they just they just stopped because movies weren't being sent to the theaters anymore. So all the majority of the big budget. I mean, we should we're in the middle of blockbuster time right now. This is when all the really big movies of the summer start getting released and they've all been pushed to next year. That's crazy. And they're not filming or creating anything right now. So a lot of studios are looking into, well, how God, we got to make money somehow. I think a lot of them are looking into their back catalog. All right, what do we have that we bought however many years ago that we sat on that we can release on video on demand that we can at least make some money? So it's really weird. I think it's it's uh, I don't even know when they're going to be able to start filming again. It's it's just it, it's really changed the way that all this is going to be handled for like, I don't think we're going to be seeing any movies theatrically at the very earliest. We might get something trickling back into the theaters in like October. There is a lot of due to post-production times. There's quite a few completed films that were shot last year that still haven't come out. Those might actually get a bigger chance now that they would not have had before. Like that new Russell Crowe movie, I think it's called Unhinged. That probably would have been a forgotten direct-to-video type of film. That might be a theatrical blockbuster at this point. Yeah, didn't... I know uh, Trolls World Tour or whatever was like a massive bomb in the theaters and it came out video on demand right at the beginning of all this and ended up being like a huge moneymaker. So yeah, I think that it is possible that movies, these little movies that would have been released and probably would have just come and gone, people are going to be so starved for content that they'll probably have to, you know, they'll go see it and then whether or not it's good or not is is secondary to how much people are just going to want to get out and go see something. I think they might put some of their smaller films out there in the hopes that they'll make a lot of money because they know the big movies are going to make money, but there's, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to test the water with the, with the big ones in case people don't go. So they probably will drop the smaller ones first. I had no idea that it was going to get to this point. I was kind of hopeful that it would die down by like late March mid-April, but then it just it got so out of hand, it got so crazy. I do think that it has definitely changed the film industry a lot, and as you guys are talking about, they're pulling out whatever movies they can think of that they've kind of had sitting on the shelf and that's being released for like direct to streaming and now there's like movies that are being held back because they don't want to release them on on digital services which is like i don't know i I feel like they kind of should like if if you're just going to release your movie whether or not people are going to go see it in theaters or not maybe put it up on amazon prime maybe put it up on on uh shutter not shutter uh, well i guess if it's a horror movie shutter or netflix you're really seeing how the structure of the film industry works now. And I think a lot more people are kind of being forced to watch a lot more independent direct streaming movies and a lot, a lot more uh, smaller in, in a way it's kind of positive because a lot more people are watching a lot more smaller directors, a lot more independent directors. We're kind of being forced to live in a world without these uh, constant bombardment of the next Marvel Disney movie or the next this big studio movie or, or whatever. And, and more people are just kind of either rediscovering older films or they're watching movies that are coming out on on uh, on demand or you know other other streaming services like Prime, Shutter, or even just like scrolling through uh, Tubi and finding random movies and stuff. So in a way, it's it's really chaotic, and it's definitely 
a big hit to Hollywood, but it's also proving to a lot of people and to a lot of the, the Hollywood big wigs that the independent cinema is still there. It's still important. And in a lot of ways, it's it's a lot better than a lot of the, the big budget stuff that's coming out. And maybe this is finally a good time for people to start discovering some some really cool, smaller, more modest budgeted films and that we we don't need Hollywood for our entertainment fixes all the time. But there's also the angle of the industry itself. Now, obviously, everything is stopped right now. At the time we're recording this, Gavin Newsom is trying to reopen parts of of L.A. and all this and Hollywood. Everything is going to change. This is sort of, it, it's not an exact allegory, but remember when AIDS first came out? N- not just in the porno industry and how much that had to change, but remember when AIDS first came out, nobody knew if you could get it from sitting on a toilet seat from somebody who had AIDS. The whole thing with when Rock Hudson was diagnosed, all the people, and I'm just talking not sexual contact, women who kissed him in movies had to go be tested and sequestered that, well, now maybe maybe he gave them AIDS. I think this is different than, than the way Hollywood handled the AIDS crisis. There are some similarities because like all of a sudden you saw in the porn industry, condoms. Everyone was using Using condoms after AIDS was out there. You're kind of going to get a weird condom sort of thing to mainstream Hollywood now. You've got to be social distant. We got to cut the crews in half. Everybody has to be isolated together. They've got this thing now, and I do not think this is going to work, especially on an independent film. Like to restart Mission Impossible, whatever they're on, they're basically going to have to all isolate together. To be on the crew or cast for that, you're going to have to not have any contact with anyone outside of that cast and crew, and you all have to live together for a month then you shoot then you all have to live together for a month people are not going to give up i'm not going to see i'm not going to get to see my wife for three months i'm not going to be able to see my grandparents i have to live with these same people i think this is going to put a giant strain on hollywood once it restarts all of that is going to get passed on to you the ticket buyer it's going to make the budgets go up it's going to make the pay go down and i think it's going to make the quality go down Oh, yeah. Um, I was talking to uh, a relative yesterday. Uh, we we're talking about Disney and how like Disney is uh, is, you know, been closed and how much money they're losing. What they're doing, they were talking about how when they're when they're reopening plan was to reduce the amount of people that were let in. I think it was down to like a third of what they would usually allow in to combat that they're jacking up the ticket prices. So this is a similar situation where, yeah, you know, we're still making movies, but we're going to have to charge you more for them because we have to put so much more into, to making them. We need to uh, sequester, you know, all these people have them all together and, uh, you know, uh, have them not visit their families and not, not leave. And a lot of movies like uh, the mission impossible movies, like they don't film them in a month or two. They, film them like those movies they film them over the course like the the production schedules on those are enormous and what are they going to do when they have to um do reshoots like reshoots are inevitable in every film they're going to bring them back and have them you know sequestered again for another month it's uh it's crazy to think the smarter option to do would be to make some smaller films would be to try to focus on you know i understand you know we're always going to need the big spectacle films and and that's fine but i think that while all this is going on it would really benefit them better 
to focus on making maybe smaller films that they can shoot in like a month, not make everybody suffer because the actors and everybody are still going to be pampered. It's the crew and all them that are going to be the ones that really suffer the most. Well, yeah, the it's it's not so much going to be the actor or the uh, actors or the directors that have to suffer a lot of this stuff. It is going to be the it's going to be the PAs. It's going to be the the sound department. It's going to be more of the like the smaller tier levels of, of production that end up getting hit the hardest with this stuff. And I do think it's 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 a ridiculous model that they're trying to go for of like con- containing these people for three to four months at a time or whatever to try to make these like big blockbuster movies. And that, that just sounds ridiculous to me. And I I do think it would be better if they would, if they were to just focus on some smaller movies for a while, some more character driven, story driven kind of stuff, maybe more and more indie to, to supplement what's going on at the time. Because if, if you can't do the big blockbuster movie, the way you used to do it, you're, you're not going to be able to rush it. These movies can't get rushed. We've, We've seen what happens in the past to rushed big uh, blockbuster movies they end up falling flat on their on their fucking ass so cats yeah yeah like look at that like geez i i do think it, it would be smarter for them to just like focus on some smaller stuff maybe really focus on the writing focus on like the acting talent they get and try to make some like like i guess smaller stuff more like indie indie sort of stuff until this until this really dies down instead of trying to force these uh blockbusters to happen which is like we we all know that's just going to happen anyway they they need to get their next star wars out they need to get their next marvel out like this is this is what they they want to put out because they know that this is what people are so accustomed to to paying for anyway and i'm just hoping that there's a repercussion from it of what happens as the result of them forcing it and the poor quality that's going to come of it and then maybe they they sort of realize at the end of the day that they just bit themselves in the ass. See, I, I think you guys aren't seeing the logistical side of this. First of all, you've got insurance. Insurance in the age of COVID will not cover most productions. The price of insurance is going up, which means low-budget films, indie films, can't afford to shoot anymore. And mm. then you've got SAG-AFTRA, you've got the Directors Guild, things like that, who said outright, we are not signing off on anything until this precaution, this precaution, this precaution, this precaution, this precaution, which means only the big, big, huge films will be able to make it. I think this is the death of the independent film because the independent films are the ones that are going to be hurting. They can't afford the insurance anymore. They can't afford all of this personal protection equipment. They can't afford to isolate their cast and crew for a month before and after shooting. I think this, this is going to make only big budget Hollywood exist from this point. I think this is the death of independent film and micro budget film. I think you might be right about that. Yeah, you have a point. It, uh, it, it's going to be really interesting moving forward. I know a lot of people, uh, businesses across the board, are just panicking without any clear idea of what's going to happen. So I, I think moving forward, at least for the next year, I mean, we don't know. Maybe a vaccine will, will come a, about. Maybe this thing will mutate and it'll get even worse and it turns into 28 days later. But right now, it looks like the film industry is strangling out the small the small directors, the small films, Paramount and Warner Brothers and Fox and Disney, they can afford that extra insurance. They can afford all the PPE. They can afford to isolate all of the cast and crew. The one, two, three million dollar independent film with Eric Roberts, they can't afford to do that. 
This really comes down to cost. In a way, I think this whole thing might be a reckoning for the film industry, but in the wrong direction. Because remember, years ago, Steven Spielberg had that that famous rant where he's like, Hollywood is getting too big, it's going to collapse in upon itself, it's inevitable, and we all agreed with him. I think he was right but on the wrong side. I think this is the reckoning we didn't want to happen. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The more the more you think about it, the more that really does seem more like the reality that's actually going on and that uh, due to lack of, of funds, lack of budget, la- lack of insurance, it really is the, it's actually true, it really is the independents that are going to be hurt. And that's, to me, that's so tragic. Now, here here is my possible future theory okay let's say that the the big budget movies and whatnot are the only things that can survive and all the independent films shut down all the little studios get shut down everything after they do i mean eventually they're going to find you know a cure or or at least a vaccine for this we're going to be inundated with all of these really big boring awful blockbusters that now not saying all of them but there's going to be a lot of just recycled garbage eventually people are going to get sick of that and there are going to be an upstart so it's very possible we might be inundated with a lot of two three hundred million dollar piles of garbage which in time once people can start filming again you're going to have people that are going to start their own small thing that eventually is going to grow into something you're going to have these little homespun filmed things that are going to turn into the next paranormal activity they're going to be the next thing because people are sick of these big soulless blockbusters and so i think it's possible that we might be out the uh the the smaller and medium budgeted films for a while but i don't see that being permanent there's too many people that want to make their own films and now they have the ability to make their own films without studio backing i don't think though they can because you can't have a crowd scene anymore you can't have your two lead actors eating at a restaurant well, no, you with can't. people there you can't have them going to you a can't concert do that. You can't do that now, but I'm saying in the future, once we're past all of this, you will be able to again. So I'm saying it's going to screw things up now, you know, three, five years from now, whatever. When all of this is behind us, I think that's when we'll start getting reintroduced to the, you know, the independent film. That's a possibility. But for right now, I think this is the death of independent film. There's also, I have an interview coming up with Bernard Lewandowski, who is an editor who works in Hollywood, and he and I discussed something very briefly in the interview, but I want to talk to you guys about it. I actually think this is the death of the independent company, because trauma, Full Moon, even Blumhouse, because remember, Blumhouse was so desperate for money that they threatened to go rogue. Blumhouse said, we're going to start refilming again, so we're going to start filming again, whether it's legal or not, because I think they are they are bleeding money. All of these smaller companies are bleeding money. I don't think they're going to make it till this is over. Cecil, you said three, four, five years from now when this is passed, I think a lot of these companies aren't going to make it. I mean, Full Moon has been circling the drain for years. Troma makes most of their money on the convention circuit, which is now completely dead. I don't know if a small company can make it anymore. 
Well, right. I'm saying that there, uh, sadly, a lot of these aren't going to make it. But what I'm saying is that a new generation will kind of uh, rise up from the ashes, so to speak. So I'm not saying that it, it, we're going to lose, you know, everything that's happening right now. I think, yeah, um, you know, Full Moon might not make it. Uh, I don't know how well two Corona zombie movies that they were able to do during all this. Uh, Pathetic, how, how... crass commercialism at its absolute worst. <laughs> it. It, it really like it's uh yeah I don't know how well that that did for them I mean a lot of people were talking about it but I don't know if that meant people were just reading the reviews about it or if they actually rented it because they wanted to see how terrible it was Blumhouse is backed by Universal so I don't know I think they kind of panicked because they you know they had the new Halloween coming out this year and I'm sure they probably needed to do some more filming with that so uh, I don't know how they're gonna fare but they did they They've they've kept things small for the most part. Every all their movies were under five million, and then if they needed more than five million, they got backing from Universal to to go over that. But the majority of their films were under five million, and the, and a lot of them after they made the um after they kind of realized, hey, we need to focus more on movies like the new M Night movies and all that stuff, where uh, and and Get Out and all these these high concept, low budget films that were making bank. So I can't see how they're going to blow through all the money they made on that. But as you know, there's always uh, there's always spending that doesn't need to be there, especially in in Hollywood. Their statement uh, that that statement they made that they're going to resume filming, even if it's still illegal, screamed desperation where our doors are getting ready to close if we do not pick filming up. That was a desperation statement uh, of saying we don't care if we're going to all get arrested. We have to film our movies. In general, it's everything is so up in the air right now. You do, I don't, you know, nobody knows where anything is going. Then let's go to the interview I did last night with Bernard Lewandowski. He's an editor working in Hollywood. He works in low budget films, high budget films. Because COVID is 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 a thing that stops people from shooting, he has work all through the end of the year still because he's editing. He's all post production. He's sitting in a room by himself, so he still has work through the end of the year. And I sat down with him last night to talk about where this is all going. So Ben, you. You are someone who works within the industry, but you kind of work behind the scenes. You're mainly an editor. You do other things, but you're mainly an editor. With this whole coronavirus thing, let's go back to the beginning of the coronavirus thing on Hollywood. What did you see on how it affected the industry versus where it is now with the potential of reopening and restarting everything up? It shut everything down almost immediately. I mean, almost immediately. As soon as... As soon as embattled Governor Newsom in California shut down the state, the industry followed suit within days. I mean, every single production, especially in the state of California, was closed. And then other states followed suit within just a matter of days. Our closest hub, which is Chicago, they followed the lead of the state of California almost immediately. And when I mean productions closed, I mean they f***ing closed. And I'm talking about every television show. Every short film, every major studio release, even the ones internationally. Actually, the ones internationally closed down. Uh, movies like Mission Impossible closed down in uh, in Milan before the COVID response uh, was activated here in the United States. So the good news is the response was swift. The bad news is, and I literally, literally just got out of a Zoom conference on this within the last 48 hours. But there's not going to be a reopening 
at least in in normal production terms, anytime soon. Newsom has said that he wants to reopen productions in the state of California, but IATSE and SAG have said no way. I do know I read something, and I don't know how legal this is, but Blumhouse, who I'm assuming has so many finance, so many finances vested in this, they have to. Blumhouse says they're going to keep filming their movies, whether Newsom says it's okay or not. Blumhouse basically says we're willing to go renegade because we have to finish the movies. We're halfway through. Yeah, and if they can do it safely, and if they can't do it safely, two things will happen. They'll have to mitigate lawsuits months from now or the state will just come in there and close it down now if they can if they can put those productions through the ringer in a clandestine sense great here's the thing how are you going to get how are you going to find employees are you going to find staff to do this you know what i mean you're just not see that's what no one's taking into account yes people want to get back to work but especially in california they're scared shitless he's got to remember unlike what i do which is post-production work where i spend 98 nine percent of my working life completely alone you're in close proximity with sometimes dozens and you know depending on how big the film is hundreds of other people and the unions are telling the unions are telling the state of california we're not ready i know the insurance companies are too insurance a lot of that said insurance companies are like we are not covering this production and see here's what's interesting about what you just said as far as independent cinema is concerned you are not going to see the one two and three hundred thousand dollar movie anytime soon and here's why they're not going to be able to uh, afford the the insurance writers you're just not you're going to see like you just said very small micro micro budgeted outlaw films and you're going to see major tentpole releases, but you're not going to see anything in the middle. So the independent film market as we know it, especially independent horror, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to see you're not going to see those types of films. You're going to see large scale studio films and really, really, really tiny movies. The middleman is, is going to be out because they just can't afford the insurance. What about a film, let's say a smaller budget film, something like Mission Impossible can restart safely. They have enough money. They're backed by Paramount. What about a little one, two, three million dollar film that was 30, 40, 50 percent complete, then COVID shut them down? Do you think they're ever going to be able to pick up or is it this is now a DOA project? You know what? It depends on what the relationship was or is with their insurer, and it, de- it also depends on how much they have in the can. For example, a lot of insurance writers will kick in after you have a specific amount in the can. Like let's say let's say you, you're in excess of 50%. You might be safe. If you're at that number that you just told me, 30%, 40%, you may just have to shelve that for the time being. Pick it up when it's safe, and I don't know when that's going to be. See, here's what no one's talking about. I do think that people in the industry are going back to work this year, but the industry is going to be completely different, and we are not, absolutely not getting back to standard operating procedure until next year. The 125,000 job losses that the industry's incurred, I've read a couple times that somewhere between 30 and 40% of those are gone forever. So once again, when things start up again, you're going to get this is what I this is what I found out this morning. They're going to be installing, depending on the areas that are safe, what's called pod quarantine. And this is going to affect the sports teams as well. If that ever starts up again, which I seriously fucking doubt a movie or a show, they're going to the, the cast and crew are going to have to go into pod quarantine, which means they have to isolate themselves for a period of one to three weeks. They have to go through the rigmarole of 
social distancing and safety precautions while shooting, then they have to re-quarantine. So think about that for a second. Think about how complex and complicated the shooting now of a movie, no matter the budget or a television show, is going to be. Not to mention, you still have cases. You know, you right now in the state of Illinois, which is handling this very well. I mean, Pritzker's moving us into phase three. By the way, I'm not in the state of Illinois, but that's, like I said, that's our, our largest hub that's close to me. You still have 125,000 confirmed cases. However, their uh, confirmed numbers in the ICU are down. Testing's up. So they're doing everything right. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be some time before the industry in, in that particular city rebounds. I think it'll happen sooner than later, but the numbers are going to be smaller. The staffs are going to be smaller. The crews are going to be a lot smaller. But okay, okay, with Chicago, you know, obviously all the Chicago shows are shot there. Chicago Fire, Chicago Medical, Chicago Police, whatever, you know, all those Dick Wolf shows as well as many others. How are they going to be able to do an accident scene? For a show or a crowd scene or, you know, the the two leads in a crowded restaurant. I, I mean, I would think even just getting extras at this point is going to be kind of uh, a, a maze to go through, isn't it? Or do you think that can be faked with CGI and adding people shot separately into a scene? It's interesting you bring that up because this is what I think is going to you're, – you're not going to see this immediately. You're going to start seeing this in about four to six months from now. Newer material starts to come out, maybe even longer than that. But just mark my words, early next year when you see television shows and, and perhaps even some new movies, you're going to notice a substantial difference in how they're photographed. And ex ex exactly what you just said in terms of larger crowds having extras and the way they're organized – that's going to be completely different. It has to be. Everything is going to get smaller for the t for for the foreseeable future because it has to be. And I'll tell you why. Insurance will demand it, guaranteed. Insurance will demand it. They are they are going to make sure that you have a lot less people. And the bad news is, even though productions will resume, that's going to cut a lot of jobs. It's going to cut a lot of jobs. I have got just in post. I have a ridiculous amount of colleagues that are out of work in post-production. So you can imagine what it's like in the other phases of, of, of the business. So like I said, moving forward, there's going to be just, there's just going to be less jobs. I think everything is going to change. I think pre-production is going to change. Principal photography is going to change. Casting is going to change. Even stunt work is going to change. I want to go back to something I brought up earlier. So say you're a small indie production or, you know, a one or two or three or million dollar film. And let's say you have the 30% of your movie, your 40% of your movie in the can. Let's leave insurance out of it. Do you think even after having not shot anything for three, four, five months now, you would even be able to pick up production? But let's say COVID just went away. But to be able to get your actors back, to get your locations back, to get the costumes again, do you think a smaller production could even do it on a logistics level? Or do you think all these indie productions that were halfway through their, their movie are just going to have to scrap it and take a tax loss? Oh, man, it depends on so many factors. It depends on so many factors. It, de it depends on the scope of the movie. It depends on how it's organized, how professional it's organized. It really, it really depends. It depends on if there's money. Has the money dried up? What are you shooting? I mean, if, 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 you're, if you're assuming the reality of this question is that COVID has completely disappeared. Yes, it's, it's, it's possible. But we both know that that's not the case. So when you add that into the mix, it's already difficult enough. But if you're at... If you're in the position you just explained to me, I would venture to say that for the vast majority of indies, 
and even some because stu- a lot of stu- I, I've actually read a couple times some studio movies have just collapsed. I, so, I've been hearing rumors that uh, because and I don't know if this is more studio politics or anything, but that Robert Pattinson Batman movie Warner Brothers is not happy with what they've seen anyway, and since they were very early in shooting, there are rumors that Warner Brothers is just going to be like, you know what, we're not even doing this Robert Pattinson Batman movie again. <laughs> That's very possible. That's very possible. And, and they might use just COVID as an excuse because from what I've heard is they're just they're not happy with the footage that they've seen so far. And, and this you know might what? be the excuse that they need to just kill this project outright. You know what? After what happened with the Zack Snyder Justice League, I think that studio meddling by the uh, upper brass is probably uh, dangerous right now. However, if the Matt Reeves movie really is bad, how long were they shooting for? Two I think, weeks? I think, they, I think it was two or three weeks. So they probably have a few minutes of footage total, probably. Yeah, I that would be that would be dangerous. But once again, even for a studio movie, they're going to have to start again. They're going to have to start again. I, it's, it's deadly. Any production, it's deadly. This is why, you know, since the 1930s, movies have been organized this way. Starting and stopping is extremely dangerous. Let's bring up an industry that isn't being talked about, the adult industry. Because literally, you have to touch people and exchange bodily fluids. Do you think the adult, in, and I'm not talking the amateur stuff. I'm not talking people putting stuff on Pornhub that they shot in their bedroom. I'm talking the professional adult industry. Do you think that might even be hit harder just due to the logistics of exchanging bodily fluids the way they do? <laughs> this, is what, uh, this is what Variety said. What you're going to see is a new, you're going to see a new subgenre. A new trend, which is COVID-related porn. A cum cum shot on like a face shield and stuff? Porn is a five or six billion dollar a year business. Porn will find a way. It found a way through the AIDS crisis. You know, it's going to find a way through COVID. But I will say this, and you just touched on this. The one additional subgenre that's really going to benefit from what's going on is, unfortunately, the, the amateur porn market. Which, let's face it. Is most of porn now anyway? It is just bottom of the barrel amateur. And then you've got, you know, some production value. Obviously, you don't have vivid and half a million dollar porn films, obviously. That market, I think that market, Josh, it's very possible that that upper tier of the industry may disappear for good because you're going to have so many new restrictions health wise and insurance. I definitely think the industry is going to change, but it's certainly not. It's not going to disappear. It's going to it's going to lapse. There'll be a lull, but it's not going anywhere. Well, speaking of, of a lull, now movies we're going to see this. I think as movie theaters start to reopen, there's not a whole lot of new content out there. There are some movies that have been in long post production that were shot a year ago that are still coming out. Like wasn't there that 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 the Wretched or something that just came out a few weeks yeah. ago that did really well? You're still going to have that, and like you're seeing on TV, it's the whole Star Girl thing and the whole new season of Legends of Tomorrow was already shot, and so you you do have some new content. Do you think that all of a sudden, when this already shot new content is used up? What's TV going to look like? And I, I'm not talking Netflix and that. I'm talking CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, CW. Do you think all of a sudden it's going to be, okay, for the next year's reruns, because we don't have anything new? No, this is what I think they're going to do. I think they're going to be, audiences are going to be so desperate for content. Broadcast television, they have licensing deals. They have relationships with, well, you name it, um, 
the, the, they have relations with the syndicators, with the, the not, only, not only the syndicators, yeah. but yeah, but all the commercial entities, they have to produce content. They're legally obligated. So I think what you're going to see, you're going to see a lot of shitty TV because it's going to be rushed into production. And remember something because of what we already talked about insurance and the fact that you have to keep things smaller. It, it's just going to have to be faster. Things are going to have to be more factory-based, like t- television was in the 1980s. I think you're going to see a lot of crap television. I don't think it's going to be as produced well. Can you actually make something less well-produced than the CW superhero shows? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because imagine imagine taking... Those look imagine like garbage those, anyway, Ben. Imagine taking those crews and cutting it in half, cutting half of the post-production time just to get it out there. The same goes for films at a studio level and on a streaming level. But the good news is this. Let's say you've got a movie. I got a couple of colleagues that are in this position. Let's say you've got a movie that's in post, that started post at the beginning of the year or right before COVID started or right now. Your movie might have a great chance at a better distribution deal, something like Shudder, Amazon, Hulu. It may have – now, see, here's the other thing. I don't think film festivals, honestly, are coming back this year outside of the virtual film festivals. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think that's great. Purpose of a film festival is to have a physical presence. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not the same, man. It's not the same. Those are gone. Horror conventions. People keep talking about the horror convention circuits coming back in July and August. And I'm like, you know what? There's no way that's happening, man. I am not going to be part of that fucking control group. No way. No way. And you know what? If it does happen, great. But I'd love to see how that's maintained. You think celebrities are going to be shaking hands and taking photos? No. And who's going to... Who the wants to go to a horror convention when you look at your eye you look at all these icons you look at all these these celebrities behind plexiglass no it's not gonna happen so good luck with that good luck with that horror hound and in, in, in days of the dead and and just good luck i i don't want anyone to 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 get ill so right now all i can say is to people until there's a a vaccine i would say that large-scale meeting places i would i would avoid so i don't know what's gonna anyway the point i was trying to make is is if you do have a film a small budget film you might find yourself in a fortunate place in another couple of weeks or months because we are going to be desperate for content i mean think about what's the marketplace going to look like six months from now it's gonna be anything I agree, but I also right. think that means far more well, mediocre product is going to be elevated. You know, oh, is, sure. like no, there's you know, no doubt. There's no doubt. And that's what I'm talking about. You're probably going to get a lot of garbage, but you're going to get some diamonds in the rough. You're going to get some movies. They're going to be allowed to have opportunities that they normally wouldn't get because of what's happening. But I agree with you. You're going to get a lot of mass produced. I mean, if you thought the Dick Wolf shows previously were terrible, and by the way, they're terrible. They're going to get worse. They're going to get worse. And if you think CW is bad, it's probably going to get worse because you know what? They're just not going to have a choice. See, I actually think there there is going to be a secondary market that's going to pop up. You, you might disagree with me. You've got like Joe Bob Briggs, you know, he's curating and presenting old product. I think that is going to become more of a thing. This might, as weird as it sounds, if you can keep a crew small. I mean, Joe Bob's got like a 15, 20-person crew, which I think is too much for a show that he has. I mean, I used to have a horror host show, and my crew was my cameraman and my yeah, and, and, and me. Two. That was it. And two people, yeah. So I think this might weirdly bring the horror host back because you've got all these old movies – 
people love that whole curation watching with someone joe bob has proved there's a huge market for that if it's done right do you agree or disagree that this might be the resurgence of the horror host i think anything's possible right now i mean the popularity of joe bob's resurrection is it's incredible and you you might be right let's see let's see who follows suit let's see who follows suit I want to do this, thing, but I can't. I can't get any network to give me money to do it. I want to be a <laughs> horror host presenter again. I miss that. I haven't done that since 2010. I want to do that again, Ben. You might. Be, you might be right. You know the other thing. You know what? You know what? It's funny you bring this up because I just read this coming from the Marcus Corporation here in our state of Wisconsin. I think what exhibitors are going to be forced to do, which I think is a brilliant idea, anyways. You know how Marcus has the anniversary films, and they'll do a block of famous films that are at least 25 to 30 years old. Yeah, all of a sudden you see Goodfellas and Scarface and that for like two nights only. They may have to start doing that in basically the same realm as as, as first-run films. Because think about it. These things are starting to open in some states. Where are they showing? Where are they showing? Are they showing the movies from earlier in the year? Nobody wants to see that. It's been streaming now for two, three months. They're 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 not going to have a choice. Or imagine this. Imagine a first-run exhibitor's new indies that would normally screen on like Amazon Prime or Shutter or something if they were lucky or Tubi or something. Imagine if they gave them a shot. See, that's the cool thing about what's going on right now. There's a lot of possibilities for smaller market movies. Like we just mentioned, I think if they go that run, you're also going to see a lot of crap. But what are theaters going to look like? Because, you know, I know AMC is still fighting bankruptcy, but they're supposedly coming back and you got theaters reopening. But the films don't matter right now. What what are what is a theater going to look like? Because they're going to want to do social distancing. It's going to so, look like a drive-in. Kind of, but also how much, and I'm asking this of the audience too, how much are you going to put up with? Because I've heard, like, AMC said, when they reopen, you're going to have to have your temperature taken and you have to answer a questionnaire. And I'm like, no, you're not taking my goddamn temperature so I can go see a Fast and the Furious movie. (laughs) That's that's invasive as hell. And a lot of people are not going to put up with that. They're not. No, they're not. And I don't think, quite frankly, a lot of people are going to tolerate the limited amount of screenings because remember if they do the scene assignments like i've been seeing pictures of where it's not every where other like seat, every two two three seats something like that's that. going to limit the number of screenings so i think what's going to end up and remember remember here's the other thing that no one's talking about guess what every exhibitor across the country is going to have to do this year in order to to try to curb losses Guess what they're going to have to do? They're going to have to raise prices. So think about this. We've all gotten accustomed now to watching everything in our living room. And I read a report recently. I think it was Hollywood Reporter. I don't know, 2,000 people across the country and 70% were like, you know what? I'm fine watching movies in my home. Even if it's $20, I'm fine. It's a lot easier. So I don't know. Exhibitors, if they do that, they raise prices. They're going to see a secondary backlash. So I got to be honest. I'm not optimistic. I miss going to the movies. I really do. But man, that's going to have to, that's definitely going to change. I don't think that's going to get back to normal, Josh, until maybe next year. Well, there's also one other weird aspect of going to the the movies, the popcorn, because it's that big communal bin where everyone gets their bags thrown in. You're not going to be able to do that anymore. You're not. You're going to have to, somebody wants a bag of popcorn. That's going to have to be made right for them right there. 
Yep. That's what I'm talking about with prices and increases. You know, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to have staff. Staff is gonna have a shortened shortened shifts, shortened set schedules. They're I all mean, gonna have to have rubber gloves and face shields, which are disposable. So that's an added cost that they're gonna pass on to us. Once again, until there's a vaccine, it's really really difficult to have this conversation because the level of clarity I can give you is is almost non-existent because there's just too many factors against this being a a, a good idea. It's the same. It's the same as is is Major League Baseball talking about having a baseball season. It's like, what are you guys doing? You can't have a crowd. The NFL can't either. And you're going to get all these guys together in a locker room. I mean, what are you fucking thinking? It's just did not going how, to happen. Did you see how ridiculously embarrassing the the WrestleMania was at WWF with no Dude, audience? You know, because I read the whole about thing, that. The whole thing with wrestling is you are playing to the crowd. The crowd. Right. Without a crowd, it's like weird avant-garde performance art. It was just weird to watch like some of those clips. Theater. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not normal. That's not how it's a, an event like that is supposed to be. So I, I understand why they entertained it. He wasn't going to lose money, but it was a strange experiment. I cannot wait. I can't wait until the fall because the NFL's brilliant idea is to pipe in, can noise, and have a digital crowd. <laughs> it's like, guys, in, what are you in doing? In Japan, for their baseball season, they have mannequins and blow-up sex dolls all in the seats to <laughs> simulate an audience. What? Are, why? Just it's gonna be... <laughs> because See, Japan, trying, man. We're trying so hard to get back into a, a a trend of normalcy, and you know what? You just you just have to adopt the thinking that it we're not getting back to normal anytime soon. I know it's hard on people, but this is just not standing out standard operating procedure anymore, man. Do you also think that this might, because everyone's going to be starved for content, you know, all the streaming services are going to be starved for content, or new content, I should say, do you think that some of the weirdo old movies that have just been sitting around in that sort of rights issue limbo are all of a sudden going to be wanted because it's something nobody has seen this movie in 25 years, all of a sudden Hulu has it? Do you think Man, it I might be so. like a buying frenzy for the old stuff? I hope so. So, okay, obviously Paramount, Warner Brothers, Fox, Disney, et cetera, et cetera, they're going to be able to survive this. They're going to be able to come through this just fine. Yeah, they might take some hits and people might lose their bonuses, but they're not going out of business. Do you think companies like Troma and Full Moon are going to be able to come out of this? I mean, Full Moon is already pulling what I think are pure desperation moves. That whole what's-her-face, what's-her-face, save the Lion King and the Corona Zombies are crass commercialism at their absolute worst, and they are a pure Hail Mary, please, we don't want to go out of business move. Do you think companies like Full Moon and Troma are going to be able to make it through this? Well, think about this for a second. Forget standard production. I read once... B and C level companies such as Troma, they make about a third of their book on the convention circuit, which you may not see this entire year. So think about that for a second. No Texas Frightmare, no Days of the Dead Chicago, no Horror Hound in Cincinnati or Indianapolis. I mean, think about that. They're that, all gone. That's why I'm concerned. I mean, Full Moon has been circling the drain for years. And keep in mind, I'm a huge Full Moon fan, just not from the last five years. But I'm a huge Full Moon fan. They've been circling the drain and just barely hanging on. Troma has been hanging on for 40 plus years. I would hate to see Troma go down because of this. I don't 
don't think that'll happen. I think trauma is always going to have a place. It's just their business model. Everyone's business model is going to have to change. Like I said, these companies just can't produce new content. They're going to have to figure out a way to recirculate prior content. That's the only way we're going to do it. And the problem is, is they can't sell it in physical media. For, well, that's not true. They can sell it in physic, physical media form online. Don't get me wrong. They don't have a direct route face-to-face with fans. They can't create new fans because the possibility of, of one-on-one, a one-on-one relationship has been destroyed because the horror convention circuit or just movie convention circuits in general have just dried up. I, mean, I don't know when they're coming back, to be honest with you. I don't know when they're coming back safely. I think it'll. I think Troma would be fine. I think some of the the smaller ones. I don't know because I don't know where the revenue's coming from. I mean, I, unless they have a, a a lot of capital coming in from from streaming, which I doubt, or physical media sales, which I doubt. So yeah, you're gonna see a lot of them disappear. There's no doubt. You're gonna see a lot of people. I've already got colleagues, Josh, that were in the unions, L.A., New York, here in Chicago. They've already left the business. They're gone. So we've got 38 to 42 million people unemployed right now in this country because of COVID. And I've, I've read about 40% of those jobs are never coming back. And the number is roughly the same for the industry. And what's interesting is, like I said previously, when the industry does come back, quote, full force, which is, I don't know what that means, and that's never going to happen anyway. Casts are going to be small, smaller. Crews are going to be smaller. So some of those jobs are just going to have to disappear. Right now, film, and especially television, is in a desperate place. If you look at, like, TV, like like I mentioned in the, in the interview, the CW has, you know, the whole new season of Legends of Tomorrow already shot. So that's fine. You've got shows that have their seasons already shot. But I think in about six months, when that dries up, you are going to see the TV networks get desperate when they have no new content. I think TV is going to become even more of a vast milk toast wasteland than it is right now. And I'm not talking Netflix, I'm talking TV. We are going to be seeing a ton of oversaturation of, of things being reused, of just a lot of just the same old tropes and just a lot of cutting corners. TV kind of already is a wasteland. Yeah, that's that's the thing. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm mostly, my, my television viewing is, the stuff that I watch is old shows from like the 70s and 80s and cooking shows. <laughs> the majority of it is just trash. There's also the aspect of, again, this is something that I think is different between big-budget Hollywood and small-budget Hollywood. The independent films can't afford to do this. Say Tom Cruise is going out with the girl, and they've got to go to a restaurant, which then gets bombed. You're going to need lots of extras, right? Which you can't exactly film right now. A Paramount movie can afford to shoot all of these extras separately and CGI them all into the scene so it looks seamless. An independent film for a million bucks can't afford to do that i i think you're oh, going no. to sit this is going to further that divide they can shoot all of these different elements separately and seamlessly integrate them on a big budget film but that's extremely expensive big budget hollywood is going to start moving in that direction where they sort of not like the actors themselves in isolation but they're going to shoot them in isolation and just edit it all together and you're not going to be able to tell I think that might be where this is going is even more CGI garbage on our screens. Stuff that's just going to stand out like a sore thumb. 
when you're CGIing in, you know, uh, people, I, I think it would be a smarter thing to just be like, hey, let's uh, let's go to a, a little restaurant instead of being like, hey, let's go to a big restaurant and then having to CGI in a bunch of people. The executives in charge aren't always the best uh, at decision making when it comes to the minutiae of filmmaking. <laughs> I think right now, honestly, the, the smart thing to do would be like what what they're doing with the Snyder Cut. Regardless of how you feel about it, just leave that off the table. I personally am very, very, very excited and signed up for a year of uh, HBO Go or HBO Max. Hey, man, you got to support the the companies that uh, that you know are, are listening to the the fans. I'm shaking but, um, my head at you right now. It's Ow. but that's perfectly yeah. fine. But what I'm saying is that they go and look at uh, films. Uh, I'm going to talk about you know if they go and look at stuff that they've got in their catalog that could easily be reconfigured and re-released. Uh, the Blair Witch Two director's cut, the Thing pilot cut, the um, the Crow City of Angels. If they take these movies that were originally kind of butchered by the studio and release their as their director's cuts i think that's a way of taking a property that you already own that you already have the content for that you could reconfigure and release and make money off of that right now instead of not making anything on it right now see I, i'm not so sure if that's what they're going to do or if they're going to go with the just shovel it out route like like ben said in the interview you're going to see the quality go down because you know like the cw tv shows they're not going to stop those they're just going to become they're just going to have less of a bar that they have to hit the cg is going to get worse the acting is going to get worse the lighting is going to get worse they're going to have to legally keep churning these things out they have contracts with all these different companies they have to legally keep making batwoman for another season at least. And it's just going to start looking like YouTube videos. I think that's going to become the new standard. Which is really sad because a lot of those shows already look like YouTube videos. Oh, the CW... I can't... I keep hearing that the CW shows have like a $2 million an episode budget. I have no idea where that is. A lot of times it's... And I'm not using this word properly, but embezzlement. And I, I don't mean that in a criminal sense, because I do know from some insiders I know who I won't name, like the Creep Show series on Shudder, had a million dollar an episode budget. You watch that show, you go, there's no way this cost a million bucks, because... Incredibly, from the episodes I've seen of the Creep Show, Shudder show, it feels very small and very independent. Because of the fact that of that million dollars, one third of the budget immediately goes to Greg Nicotero and the producers as their producing fees then you oh, have the then you have right. all of the named directors with their directing fees by the time all of these egotistical maniacs take all of their fees for not doing a damn thing you've got about three hundred thousand dollars to shoot the episode so a lot of times when you hear oh you know supergirl has two million dollars an episode they might only have five hundred thousand dollars of actual shooting budget for that episode, which to me is just another form of embezzlement where a producer who literally does nothing, Greg Nicotero does zero on Creep Show, and he gets one third of the budget just for being able to put his name on it as, hey, I said okay to this. Now, now give me my $750,000. 
So it, it, to me, it's in a form of embezzlement. And that's why you can never truly trust when you see the budget is eh, 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 eh. It's really a hell of a lot less when it comes to the sound guy and the cameraman and thing and actual building the sets and paying the actors. Yeah. It, there's so much ego. Mainly going, that these, to, mainly going to the producer and to, to the director. Yeah. Th- there's so much ego involved. These people take up all of the budget so you can use my name because, you know, I'm kind of a big deal around this place. And yet, like, who who really thinks about producers? That's the that's the really ironic part. The the memorable people are the writer, director, and the stars. Like, who ever actually like who watches Gangs of New York and sees Oh, Harvey Weinstein? I love that guy. Uh, a while ago, to make it like make the producers a thing, where they're like from the producers of you know they were trying to get their their names yeah. out there. It's just like no. it's kind of a double-edged sword because a lot of times when I would see that Harvey Weinstein was involved in a production for me, I knew that that meant that he probably meddled with it in some capacity. Hatchet job. So he took a, he took an ax to it and it's, it's a similar thing. Sometimes, sometimes you can see a heavy producer influence. Like I remember, remember that, that 1991 miniseries on ABC wild palms. Remember with Oliver Stone. Yeah. Oliver Stone produced it. He didn't direct any of it. But honestly, you can see Oliver Stone's fingerprints on that miniseries, can't you? You know, when he was only the producer. But you can see his fingerprints all over that. Sometimes you can see it. Other times you're like, okay, sure, why not? I know from people I know that Creepshow was a giant embezzlement and they love to elevate these numbers. But we're way off topic. Where do you think this is going to go? For the time being, we don't have a, a vaccine for COVID. When do you think Hollywood is going to get back to wherever it was? Because like we're even hearing about now, supposedly the Batman, the Matt, the Matt Reeves movie, the Robert Pattinson one, is starting shooting again next week, which even you know some of the producers on that are saying, no, it's not. Do you think a movie like that is still going to move forward or is it just going to get so expensive that we're just scrapping this whole... Because they only have about eight minutes of usable footage right now. Do you think they might just cut their losses and say, we'll try this again in a couple of years? Here's what I want happen to happen they put the production on hold because robert pattinson hasn't been doing like i have no problem with him being batman but it was kind of like he wasn't following the exercise regiment so most likely he's not prepared to go back under filming now anyway because he's been just kind of sitting around for the past few months but here's what i would here's what i want to happen which it's it's up in the air uh it, it you never know next year the snyder cut comes out it's huge it does very well and they go back to the matt reeves the bat man and they bring back Ben and he does the movie that uh, he was supposed to do already and they continue with uh with Snyder at the helm of uh the uh, the WB movies that uh, that to me would be really cool and would be awesome I don't that's what know I would prefer. I've that's been, what I would prefer I'm still like, holding really. out for that See, I would love for that to happen. Who knows? Right now, it's it's a very unusual time. Uh, who's to say? I think probably what's going to end up happening in the short term, at least, is they're not going to start filming again because they they're just they're not ready and they they can't. 
So more than likely, that's going to be pushed back for however, possibly indefinitely until they uh, till they get things a little bit more uh, under wraps. And they might be waiting to see, too. I mean, it's next March that when when the Snyder Cut comes out, they might really legitimately waiting, wait to see how it's doing, how things, uh, you know, how the audience perception has changed. Maybe people will be, more, you know, in general, will be more open to it next year. It's uh, we're in weird times right now. Oh, I definitely agree. I guess we we just really have to see how how things go from uh, from here on forward. That said, I think it's going to be a long time. I think right now Hollywood is delusional with so many productions saying we're going to be back up and running by July. We're going to be back up and running by August. I think they're delusional because short of actually getting a vaccine or COVID mysteriously vanishing, I don't see any production starting up again in 2020. I think at best winter of 2021 might be the earliest a lot of these productions start up again at least at the scale that they were so i think right now hollywood is delusional and they are desperate to get back into production because they are just bleeding money right now where can people find peter just hanging out up in canada watching movies you can find uh pete up in canada watching america completely crumble at this point on twitter at Zinematica, Facebook, The Cinematicus, Twitter at Zinematica, Patreon at Zinematica for support, and of course, 1201beyond.com for other fine programming. And Cecil, where can people find you? Hopefully not being burned down in a protest because you are in Philly. Yeah, well, I'm outside of Philly, so we're we're okay out here. You can find me uh, watching cooking shows <laughs> over at uh, Just Bad Not something I would have thought you for a cooking show guy. Just weird. Now, keep in mind, I'm talking like with the exception of the Great British Baking Show, which is like uh, it's not like the American contests where they're all yelling at each other like that's like really supportive and they're really helpful and they offer advice. It's not just screaming at people like I hate that stuff. But I, I like I legitimately like watching to learn how to cook because that's how I relax. I cook. I'm you know, I'm I'm pretty good. You know, I'm not uh, not. All, but it's it's just it's something that uh, I enjoy doing. And uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, you can find me over at uh, goodbadflicks.com as well as uh, goodbadflicks on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook and 1201beyond.com. You can find me at 1201beyond.com. Contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Try to be a cut above. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Stay safe, guys.
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.